and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, we look at various scriptures which represent the role of the Holy Spirit in keeping the believer in Christ from error and from letting go of Jesus. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott presents. That's the kind of growth of all those examples of people I gave you. I think of all those people, but I also think of Martin and Laura's story. You may not know who they are, but you might know that Laura has recorded a song called Blessings. In part, the song goes like this. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? There is a story behind this song. Less than two years into their marriage, Martin, Laura's husband, was diagnosed as having a brain tumor. He had been tired a lot and forgetful a lot. And it was then that he and his wife, Laura, decided to even more decisively and strongly to hold fast to Jesus. They knew him as their savior before the brain tumor, but after they knew about the brain tumor, they decided to hold on to Jesus together as a couple for all that they were worth. Martin had several brain surgeries. Each one was pretty much a life and death deal. He survived and even was healed enough to walk again. But five years later, to this day, Martin continues to have significant vision and memory issues and deficits. You see, some things God has left unhealed for Martin. And admittedly, the stories are currently left with more questions of God than answers from God. Yet they conclude that God gives them what they need, not what they want. And they conclude that sometimes the Lord leaves his own kids broken for his own good reasons. Martin and Laura's story continue to hold fast to Jesus and such holding fast has seen both of them grow with the growth from God. And it's evident. Here are some more lyrics of that song of Laura's stories called Blessings. What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life are revealing a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? Let me conclude. Yes, Buddhism is now dressed up in American clothes. Verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels and taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Yes, Buddhism is dressed up in American clothes, but... Praise God, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Yes, Buddhism is now dressed in American clothes, but Jesus said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Yes, Buddhism is now dressed in American clothes, but Jesus goes on to say, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Yes, Buddhism dresses in American clothes today, but 1 John 4, 4 says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And then moving to the second point of this sermon, yes, Through our own carelessness and our society's pressures to go away from Christ, the head. And those, those things can weed eat us as little rose bushes down to only a small surviving connection with Jesus, the head. Yet, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Yes, our own carelessness and society's lies can push us away from the head who is Christ such that we're weed-eaten down to a very small connection with Christ. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Yes, although that is a danger, 2 Timothy 1.12, for this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Yes, we can be weed-eated as a rose bush such that we're barely in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, but growth, which is from God, can still take place because of the great benediction's promise in Jude 1. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forever. Amen. And so, little rose bushes, will you stand with me? I tell you, based on the promises of Christ, based on the New Testament promises that are sure and certain, we may be weed-eated, rose bushes, but it's going to be okay. God said so. But we must do our part. We must be sure to hold fast to the Savior. We must be sure to let Jesus Christ, the head, supply for us, hold us together, and then we can bloom. Against all odds, we can bloom. We can have growth 
which is from God. And that's a great thing. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and holding not fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Lord Jesus, you are our head. Any blooming we can do is because of our union with you. We have been crucified with you, Lord Jesus, and the only life we have now to live is your life through the Spirit of God empowering and guiding us into righteousness and obedience. Lord, may we hold fast to you. May we read your word daily. May we pray. May we journal what we're being taught from your word. May we hang around other believers who are growing in grace and the knowledge of you. May we walk controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit. May we have a burden for lost people and share the gospel. Lord, may we be people of prayer. People of prayer. We would hold fast to you and we would claim the promise that you will grant us growth, which is from God. We pray these things, so grateful to belong to you, to be your little rose bushes. Amen. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. 7000 or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. It's a privilege to be able to be into your presence by way of radio again this morning. In the studio with me is my wife, Helen, and we talked the last time about some of the myths, conception about suicide. What are some of the do's for people who are suicidal, Helen? What would you say to, to this? You want to be yourself. You want to show that you're genuine, that you're there for this individual. You're not a busybody. You're not being intrusive. Uh, your talk must match your body language. They, they will pick up that you know, you're saying one thing, but you're not real. So you want to be honest and real with the person, and you want to not do too much talking. You want to invite them. You need to share. listen. Yeah, share. Listen share, to them. Yeah, yeah. Because they might want to offload and they might be angry. So you be there and say, I'll be a sounding board for you and let them ventilate. Anything else you would like to add to that? Um, you talk about listening you and you indicated that they need to know that you are sincere. In other words, we need to be sympathetic towards them. Show compassion. Show compassion yeah. and not just biding our time so to speak because they know whether or not we are genuine 
when when we are talking to them and and try to offer them some comfort of, of hope. Yeah, you want you want to offer hope. We want to reassure the person that help is available. And even if you say, I'll go with you, and you want to let them know that the suicidal feelings that they might be struggling with, yes, you've been struggling with this for years, but I'm here, and I'll miss you if you carry out this plan. And, you know, show them I feel love. Also, uh, there is a quote that people sometimes say, um, Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And you quote that to someone, and that might just push them over the edge. They say, okay, if this is going to be permanent, I might as well go ahead and do what I have to do, and I'll be out of my suffering, and I won't be around to be a burden on anyone. So I think we have to be careful of some of these cliches. They might sound really fancy, but to someone who's depressed... Someone who feels like they're a burden, don't have a job, home, bulldoze, or the bank has repossessed it, that's not a good statement to say because they can say, I will go ahead with my plans and this will be the solution and you won't have to worry about me anymore. So let's be careful of some of the cliches we use to people. What if they say things like, I am so depressed, I, I, I can't go on with life. What kind of questions you can ask them that will probably get them to, to recognize that they might be depressed, but there is hope. I guess you can probe that a little bit more and be willing to um, listen. As I said, you know, I am very depressed. I don't think it's no point in me being around you want to say, okay, you are depressed, um, let's talk about that. Right. And see if there is some incident might have happened recently in their life. They may not be a person who suffers from depression, but something might have happened recently in their life that might have triggered depression. So again, you want to be an active listener. I think that is key. Not trying to fix the person or be the big hero. Listen actively. Okay. So we can also tell them, of course, that, you know, it's, it's okay. Uh, there, for all of us, at some time or the other, we get uh, uh, some form of depression for a short time, of course. But uh, they need to understand that it's okay. Um, and they can work through it. And one of the things I think is most important is try to direct them to a, a, a professional, a professional yeah, 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 who, yeah. a psychologist, psychiatrist, who, who is quite capable of working with them. So uh, that, for me, I think knowing when to refer is very important in a situation like this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very important, and not you trying to be a hero. Right. Okay, so we recognize then that one thing, depression isn't geared to a particular group of people. We all can, from one time or the other, get in some form of depression. And we, we know of God-fearing people who have been 
suffering all suffering their lives. Most of their yeah. life with yeah, depression. Life. Uh, but God used them mm-hmm. and uh, they they were able to help a lot of people who who happened to fall in the same category. Okay, thank you again for listening and we will pick up from here next time in the will of the Lord. God bless you. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. The question before us this morning is, what important truth can we learn from the aftermath of Adam and Eve's fall into sin as recorded in Genesis 3? I think we can learn a lot. I'll just pick it up at Genesis 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman thou gavest to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That is through verse 19 of Genesis chapter 3. There are several things I'd like to point out that I think we can learn that are important here. Uh, First of all, um, man and woman became aware of their nakedness with respect to having shame for it only because of sin. And when they sensed their nakedness uh, due to their sin, they did something that we all do, but it's profoundly uh, futile to do, which is to hide from God. 
they thought that they could somehow hide from God. And I think if the truth be known that often we think that we can hide from God. But of course, God is everywhere. God knows everything. God sees everyone everywhere. God sees everything. So hiding from God is really futile. And uh, when God asked them what they had done and if they had, in fact, eaten from the tree of which he'd commanded them not to eat, of course, God never asks questions to get information. God doesn't lack any information. He knows everything there is to know. So he asked Adam and Eve the question that he did ask to bring it to the forefront of their thinking as to what they had done, what the consequences were of doing it, and how their relationship was spoiled uh, because of it. And so God was just basically asking them the questions so they could see the folly of their ways. Now, it's interesting that later in the the account that um, they tried to cover their own nakedness with uh, fig leaves, or I guess figs aren't identified, but with leaves of some sort. And uh, that's a real picture of human religion. Uh, Human religion uh, tries to work our way to God. Uh, Biblical Christianity says that God has worked his way to us when we were not able to work our way to him. And so when Adam and Eve tried to cover their nakedness because of their shame by uh, making garments out of leaves, it was a picture of their self-efforts that uh, we we might call religion now. But those self-efforts were overturned by God. He saw them as inferior. He saw them as being inadequate. He saw them as being um, less than what was needed. And so the account goes on to say that God uh, gave them clothing from skins of animals. And that clearly must have meant that God uh, killed some animals, shed their blood, and gave uh, the skins of those killed animals to Adam and Eve to be a satisfactory covering for their shame. Uh, Clothes out of animal skins versus clothes out of self-made leaves. And so we are not to be a people of religion. We are to be a people of faith, a people of uh, letting God undertake for us in ways that we need him to undertake, but also in ways that we recognize we cannot do for ourselves. And so even back as far as the Garden of Eden, uh, after the fall into sin, God made clear that a blood sacrifice would be what it would take, not picking a leaf off of a vine where no blood is involved, but slaying an animal, shedding its blood, skinning its carcass, putting that skin upon Adam and Eve's nakedness and covering them which is a total beautiful picture that one day the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, would lay down his life, be killed, have his blood shed, that we might have uh, redemption and forgiveness and a new life uh, with God with unbroken fellowship. There is another thing that I'd like us to to see in this account of, of what happened Uh, with Adam and Eve that helps us understand the nature of temptation to sin from Satan. He's not creative. Satan is not a creator. God is the creator. Uh, Satan has no creative abilities. He just works with things that God has created, and he twists those things, and he uh, lies about those things. And we see this in Genesis 3, 
verse 1, when we read of uh, Adam and Eve's fall into sin, I'm reading Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Uh, and the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. So first thing we ought to see here is that God placed this this tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil not in some hidden back corner of his ideal garden, but right in the middle because he wanted Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, to walk and to pass it by and to make a conscience moral decision often about obeying God and not disobeying God by eating of a tree. Going on to verse 4, and the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. Let me interject. So Satan said, that's what God said. God isn't right. I'm right. Believe me, not God. And that is essentially what Satan continues to do. He says, don't believe the Bible. It's not really God's book. Don't believe what God says in the Bible. If you do believe the Bible, because I know better, Satan continues to challenge uh, God's truthfulness and God's authority. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, that is the forbidden tree, in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he frames this temptation to say, you know, oh, no, no, you're not going to die if you eat this fruit. In fact, you'll be better off if you eat this fruit. Uh, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. And you'll really know something you don't know right now, which is good and evil. Well, they knew good now, but they didn't know evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. When I said that Satan is not creative, he just twists what God has provided, lies about it. In 1 John 2, verse 16, which is near the end of the New Testament, not the Gospel of John, but the first epistle of John, 1 John 2, 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So here in 1 John 2, verse 16, the Bible tells us there's three major categories of temptation to sin, and they are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Now, if we flip back to Genesis 3, isn't this not exactly how Satan tempted the first woman? Verse 6, Genesis 3, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, That's the lust of the flesh. In other words, she lusted after something that was good to eat, the lust of the flesh. And that it was a delight to the eyes. That is the lust of the eyes. It was pleasant to look at. It wasn't ugly fruit. It has attraction. It was attractive fruit. And that was the lust of the eyes. And she saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise, Well, she wanted to be more wise than God had made her, so that was appealing to the temptation of the pride of life. 
So friend listening this morning on the radio, know that Satan is the one who will tempt you to sin. And know that Satan is not creative. He's in a rut. And the way he's going to tempt you to sin is three ways. To have you lust after your flesh, or to have you lust after your eyes, or to have you desirous of the pride of life, to be proud. And when you start thinking about the temptations you might have with the opposite sex, or with money, or with power, or anything else, they boil down to the same things that Eve faced in the Garden of Eden. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.